Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio.
broadcasting live Billions of people Cameras on the streets Tracking who we meet And call this liberty
to be attained in order for it to be successful, and they were. And once they were, once the American Revolutionary War's goals were attained and we succeeded in winning our independence uh, from England, the American Revolutionary War ended. However, the American Revolution was never meant to end. It was meant to be uh, a continuously expanding uh, project, a continuously expanding uh, freedoms for our nation. Uh, and I think at times people uh, people misunderstand uh, they misunderstand a, a lot of the goals of this. They they want they, they yearn for personal liberties and freedoms, uh, and and they seem to try and skirt their individual responsibilities. <clears throat> And this is this is something we can't do. Uh, I tell you guys all the time that the responsibility for safeguarding the liberties and freedoms that we enjoy by virtue of living in this nation, these fall on the heads of every single citizen here. Uh, the responsibility is an open-ended non-delegatable responsibility. That means there is never any end to it. You never you never get paid up. You're never paid in full. You're always responsible uh, for more. You're always responsible for, for safeguarding more and more freedoms. More and more uh, responsibility for ensuring that the freedoms and liberties are safeguarded. And you can't uh, delegate it. You can't say, well, listen, uh, I, I'm all for this freedom and liberty stuff, but uh, but I'm really, uh, in, I've got so much other stuff to do, I really can't do a whole lot myself. So I'm going to uh, get my pop to do it, or I'm going to get my brother to do it. You know, he's good at that uh that political stuff or whatever. It, it, it's non-delegatable. You can't give it to somebody else. You can't transfer the responsibility to somebody else. You have to understand that it is yours and you must maintain it. <clears throat> and how can you do this? Well, <clears throat> uh, there, there are a myriad of ways. <clears throat> and uh, I'll tell you that the first is to make sure that you remain engaged. Uh, can't uh, allow your head to go in the sand, and it's very easy to do. And I don't mean this uh, in most cases. I don't mean this uh, as a uh, like a derogatory thing. Uh, but there are people who do that. I mean, there are people who decide, uh, I look, I don't want to get involved in this. I don't want to hear about it. I want to think about it. So I'm switching that channel off. I'm putting my head in the sand. 
and I see nothing, I hear nothing, and those people aren't doing anybody any favors. All right, they're receiving the benefits of freedom and liberty without shouldering the responsibilities of safeguarding it. What I'm talking about is is that it is easy to to uh, to cable the motion to do something. It's easy to uh, uh, to postpone your responsibilities. Uh, it's easy to procrastinate. Uh, it's very easy. And you have to do your best to remain engaged. And by, by remaining engaged, I mean doing your best. Try and keep up with the things that are going on in the nation. Try and keep up with... <clears throat> uh, with who is in charge, what they're doing, uh, try to figure out the reasons for it. I don't mean uh, trying to discern it through tea leaves. Uh, uh, what I mean is read up uh, on the things going on in, in this nation, and not just this nation. A lot of Americans, because of uh, because we are a nation on a continent unto ourselves, they see the world's, their world stopping at the ocean and at the borders with Canada and Mexico. And the world does not stop there. It continues on in a full circle until uh, it reaches uh, back here again. And our ignorance of what uh, transpires globally is certainly uh, something that greatly contributes to the problems that we have and to the problems that that we uh, seem to press upon the rest of the world. <clears throat> uh, I think that, that for the most part, America tries to do the right thing. It tries to do good. <clears throat> But there are a lot of places where we could certainly do better. Make sure that you're reading up on this, that you are uh, that you are continuously trying to keep yourself informed on current events, on historical events, <clears throat> so that you can make the right decisions when it's time to speak to your neighbor, uh, when it's time to go to the ballot box. <clears throat> Because, and listen, I know that it's hard. Uh, in this age where we have the ability to uh, to look at our smartphone and find out what's happening uh, uh, in a small town in China within seconds, uh, and we have uh, 50 people sending us uh 500 emails every day uh, on everything that's happening. There's not enough time in the day to actually... Uh, there's too much information. Okay? Uh, so you have to... You have to try and become wise and figure out how to... how to look at and for the things that are most important. 
Now, certainly, uh, you'll have to start locally. You'll need to make sure that you're engaging yourself locally, what's important on your block, and that you are trying to fix things and clean things up first on your own block and making sure that you are doing things to help your block, your community, your neighborhood, your city, your county, your state. Make sure that you're working uh, to be a good steward for your local community. That's where you get started at. And, And doing that is going to go a long ways toward helping to safeguard our freedoms and liberties. Uh, You've heard the saying, all politics are local, and they are. Are now in Washington, uh, didn't get there by going straight to Washington. Uh, I mean, some people did. The majority of them started out somewhere locally and, uh, and ended up working their way to the uh, the national offices. So you want to make sure that you're paying attention on what is getting fed into the machine there with you locally, that uh, that you're trying to pick out the best folks that you can uh, to feed into the machine locally so that uh, when they finally graduate later and graduate from... <clears throat> Uh, city councilmen to uh, uh, to state representatives and then to uh, to national reps that uh, that you have done the best job possible in picking the folks uh, who are going to serve the interests of your community and of your state and of your nation. Okay, and uh, and that is also going to go a long way toward uh, toward helping to alleviate some of the problems that we face. Uh, a lot of the times people don't get involved down at the local level, and what happens then is they have no control of what's being fed into the machine uh, there at the beginning. So... Uh, things happen, and then folks end up, uh, when they end up voting in, uh, in national elections, they're, they're, they're left with very very few and, uh, I dare say a lot of times, very poor choices because no one was paying attention to what was getting fed into the beast from the beginning. Uh While you're doing this, and we talked about this last week, sure that you are spending time every week working on making sure that you have emergency plans for your home and your family, making sure that you can take care of yourself and your family in the event that there is a natural or man-made disaster or some type of cessation of services event. This is going to go a long way, too, toward helping your community, your nation, because if you can eliminate yourself first uh, as a person who's going to need aid, then uh, then that's the first step in 
in making sure that your community correctly passed through one of these situations. Once you become uh, prepared enough that you can you can ride through some type of uh, of crisis without relying or without stressing the uh, the services of your your local uh, government, then see if you can't persuade someone else to also uh, get their preparations in order and get themselves ready. Every time another person begins working on uh, on living in a self-reliant lifestyle, then you've taken one more person off the street that is either going to be uh, is either going to be taxing these services, uh, your local services, or uh, it's going to be coming after your stuff because they don't have it, right? <clears throat> so make sure that while you're working on your plan for uh, self-reliance, that you're also pushing the idea to your community. Now, certainly, uh, even just 10 years ago, this was a very verboten topic because <clears throat> uh, anybody who started talking about uh, prepping or self-reliance was considered to be uh, a tinfoil hat person. You know, it's like the, one of the worst things you could have somebody call you was a survivalist because if you were a survivalist, uh, then that meant that you were, uh, you were living in a little wood cabin somewhere writing manifestos and uh, uh, and planting bombs wearing a hoodie uh, uh, or you were part of the uh, a Koresh type compound fortunately prepping has gone mainstream so you shouldn't really have that problem anymore or actually very uh, uh, very uh, willing to hear that message, to hear the self-reliance message. Now, you don't have to, well, it's up to you. You go on whatever, you set up whatever kind of uh, operation you think that uh, that folks are willing to listen to. But try and make sure that you are spreading the message. Try and make sure that you are uh, getting as many people as possible to understand not that, the, that, not that the world is coming to an end but that it's their duty just as it was their grandparents' duty to ensure that they're able to take care of themselves and their loved ones. That, they're, that, uh, that at the onset of a three-day snowstorm or hurricane or, or, or black ice on the road they are not left at the mercy of the weather and uh, and that they are not uh, immediately uh, having to tax the uh, emergency services of the local government because they couldn't take care of themselves for three days, right? And we talked about this uh, last week. We talked about this about beginning your preps, and working it out uh, so that uh, you you make this a game. You make it a game. Make it a competition with yourself. You can even make it a competition with your neighbor. All right, look, here's what I got. Here's what I got all my stuff. 
that uh that I can get through with one day of uh of being self reliant. Let's see what you got. What do you got? How are you gonna do it? What do you got going? All right, now I got uh and then next week now I got three days. Here's what I here's what I'm gonna do for the three days. Tell me what you think. Let's see what you got. Each other work it out. This is and and far from being uh a situation where you're being uh, uh, selfish. This isn't being selfish. Uh, this is, as I said, this is you uh, getting on the wagon to help make sure that you're taking care of yourself and that you're not going to rely on the government for services to take care of yourself and your family. <clears throat> All right, that's a that's my my reminder of that because uh, I feel that uh, with the way things that are going right now, we're going to talk about this in a minute. The way things are going right now in the world, that uh, that it may very well uh, soon come to a situation uh, where we uh, not where it's the end of the world, but where we have very troubling times. We have very stressed times. And listen, you guys have seen just recently, and uh, now there's not that many folks around anymore who can tell you about what it was like to live during World War II or certainly what it was like uh, to live during the Great Depression across America. That was... uh, 80 years ago. There's not that many folks alive today. There there are there are folks that are alive today, but not that many that are alive today that can they can tell you what it was like then or they can remember what it was like during that time. Uh, we can certainly experience an event like that again. There's uh absolutely nothing that uh, can stand uh, in between us and a situation like the Great Depression. Uh, There's absolutely nothing that can stand as a guarantee between us and a situation like that that will never happen again because it absolutely can. And if you look at the that are transferring across the globe, uh, it looks like that is kind of where we are headed at this point in time in our history. If you look at the the events that preceded uh, World War One, World War Two, you can see that we're rapidly. Uh, pushing ourselves, uh, our government, uh, well, the government and the people, pushing ourselves into that same type uh, of, uh, of preconditions uh, that were exhibited before World War I and World War II. We're in, uh, we're in rough periods right now in our trade, we have huge, we're carrying huge 
and I don't believe, I, I believe a lot of folks don't understand the enormity of the trade deficits that we're carrying right now and that that at any time bottom up and we carry a, a huge trade deficit with China. And I know a lot of people uh, are of the mindset, they say, well, you know, uh, we are protected and our, our government certainly operates under these conditions, uh, under this, under this, uh, this preconceived notion that, that because we owe China so much money, that we have them uh, basically at gunpoint, you know, that uh, there's nothing they can do because we owe them so much money. And we certainly use uh, this as a bargaining chip and forcing China to buy uh, our debt every year and forcing uh, uh, dozens of other nations the same way uh, to buy our debt, to open their markets up to us. Uh, but I'll tell you, it does not have to go on the same way forever. Uh, China is working with uh, with several other nations uh, to strengthen their uh, position globally, uh, and they are actively working toward uncoupling as their uh, 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 monetary uh, as a prime monetary uh, currency. All right. Uh, I'm uh, typing. If you hear me, if you hear me, uh, uh, if you hear me pausing at times, I'm trying to. Uh, uh, either I answer sometimes, something in the chat sometimes, or I'm uh, uh, I'm looking for an answer for somebody's question. I'm not a good uh, typer and talker, but uh, China uh, is actively working uh, on a way uh, to uncouple uh, from the dollar and. Uh, the same thing with uh, with the Soviet Union. They're working to with I say the Soviet Union with Russia. Uh, I'm, I'm still uh, from the era that, that thinks that uh, Russia is the Soviet Union. Anyway, the uh, Russia uh, is doing the same thing. They're trying to strengthen their world banking position, and a lot of what you see going on right now. Uh, uh, across the globe is uh, our, is the United States and China, uh, the Soviet or, or Russia. Uh, you see them jockeying for for, for position, and I, I believe that a lot of the stuff that's going on right now with the Ukraine uh, is certainly uh, is certainly all based in what is now an economic war, uh, an economic and trade war. 
And we know that historically uh, that the trade wars, the uh, economic wars are uh, are usually uh, the precursors for hard war. Uh, and the problem is I think a lot of folks uh, in government and economy, a lot of the economists and uh, uh, the financial folks believe that war is good for America, that uh, war strengthens our economy. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, that's certainly not always the case. And we know that the the current war in Afghanistan, which was preceded by the war in Iraq, uh, has horribly damaged America financially. We've taken on uh, what is believed to be approximately $6 trillion in debt uh, from the Afghanistan and Iraq wars. And uh, and entering in to additional uh, wars is uh, it has nothing it has nothing good for us uh, and when i when i say us i certainly mean the majority of americans now uh the uh the the financiers uh, the bankers, uh, there are certainly a lot of those folks who may make money from it and who who may very well benefit from this. <clears throat> but uh, I can tell you that it won't be us. It won't be the, uh, the average American citizen that does it. <clears throat> and uh, <clears throat> right now, the... We know that the war that's ongoing in Ukraine right now is uh, it's not a simple thing. It's certainly not anything nearly as simple as our leaders would have you believe, as the as the leaders in the Ukraine or in Russia would have you believe. It's actually a very complex and very dangerous situation. Uh, Putin is using it to spin up nationalism in Russia again. You know, just uh, eight or nine years ago, you had the majority of the folks in Russia uh, who were very pro-America, and they thought America was the land of dreams, and There was a great deal of pro-American sentiment there. Lately, two years, it's been a, a very rapid reversal of that. The the Russian citizens see America as a, a big bully on the block that's trying to uh, uh, that's trying to push the world around everywhere. And we certainly are playing into that stereotype 
by trying to get involved everywhere and then trying to slap everybody else's hands when they are getting involved uh, in anything. Uh, <clears throat> we have a case now where Russia, it, is seen, it appears to be that Russia is of arms to the rebels in uh, eastern Ukraine while trying to remain officially uh, neutral. And on the other side of this, we have uh, the United States and our allies uh, very openly supplying the Ukrainian government that we put in power, and some say is a puppet uh, regime. Very, we've been very openly supporting them with a great deal of money, with arms, and uh, and with soldiers. And we're not too we're we're not too sure to what American soldiers involved, but we do know if they're over there. Uh, American soldiers are involved in actual hot wars. Uh, in almost, uh, I believe the last count was 64 nations. 64 nations. Did you know that? Were you aware of that? That American soldiers are involved uh, in some fashion in the hot wars in uh, over 64 nations. So we're certainly... Uh, involved in the in the Ukraine with American troops to some extent. Now, what that is, uh, I'm not sure that uh, that anyone really knows for sure, and that uh, and that a great deal of this might be uh, what is considered now to be private military contractors, PMC organizations, uh, and. And the bottom line is that there are no there are no real good guys there. Uh, and I don't don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to attack America. Uh, I'm just saying that I my personal opinion is that we're not there to help anyone but ourselves. And neither is anyone else. The A lot of folks think that uh, are believe that what is happening in Ukraine right now uh, is part of of what is going to lead to what is believed to be uh, the great uncoupling and uh and this is uh this is going to go all the way back uh to the late eighties early nineties you know when the the cold war began to end and uh the Soviet Union began to break apart uh The Berlin Wall fell, uh, Russia, the, uh, you know, the Soviet Union countries, 
and uh, and China, uh, the communist countries began to ease up on their their hardline communist doctrines and, and the ideologies, and really uh, almost overnight uh, flip flopped into uh, capitalist uh, type societies, and uh, the the governments. They're their running operation. Uh, for the most part, they, they they didn't switch out. They didn't. They they weren't usurped. There wasn't some type of massive upheaval and and uh, revolution that switched out governments. The governments remained in place, uh, but the way that they handled that they began handling uh, the their production. Of goods and services, the way they began to restructure uh, their economies uh, and and to switch from the communal uh, communist way of uh, running things, uh, which which no one has managed to make work. No one uh, that fundamentally changed and. Uh, and we know that once this began to occur, uh, all of the nations in the west of China began to rely on the uh, on the massive production of goods uh, brought on by uh, absolute uh, absolutely uh, rock bottom. Uh, labor uh, and began to uh, purchase these goods and uh, the the massive inflow of uh, of capital really began to alter the economies of china the uh, the economy in Russia. Uh, really began to develop by investment and then by uh, Russia is a very is a huge country and uh, they have massive amounts of natural resources uh, oil uh, natural gas uh, uh, you name it and uh, the you can find it in an abundance uh, inside the borders of Russia. Uh, China now, after the last uh, 20 years of running this fashion, is balanced uh, uh, on the verge of becoming the uh, the the largest most influential economy in the world uh, <clears throat> Russia is now posed as uh, as putting itself into position 
to be the supplier, the great uh, supplier uh, for energy uh, for all of Europe. The uh, both of these nations, China and Russia, uh, have now have very uh, very well developed uh, space programs, defense programs, technology programs uh, across the board, very large programs. I'm sure a lot of people don't think of China as a uh, as a space nation, but they are. And their technology, now granted, uh, they have a very well-deserved reputation for uh, for technology piracy, and uh, and there's probably not a made in the in the whole world that the Chinese have not al- have not already stolen or are willing to steal and uh, make under their own uh, uh, under their own national guidelines and sell and profit from it. And we see that in America, I mean, this has fueled, uh, for, for a long time, this fueled a, a fantastic uh, standard of living for Americans. Uh, you could go to uh, any one of the thousands of Walmarts and you could buy things for unbelievably low prices. Well, you still can. Uh, you know, you hear me talking uh, here about the uh, the solar yard lights that I keep telling you guys to go and pick up. Well, you can still get them. Uh, 97 cents for a solar-powered yard light that uh, may well last for two or three years. Uh, for 20 bucks, you could get... Uh, uh, approximately three or four years of lighting for your house, uh, you know, in the event that there was uh, some type of massive power outage. Uh, for 20 bucks, you could get uh, three or four years of, uh, of solar-powered lighting for your house. It wouldn't be great, but you'd be able to eat dinner and read and walk around the house without tripping on stuff. Uh, everything you can imagine, every single thing you can imagine, is now no longer made in America. It's made in China. And we're buying this from them. And like I said, the 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 fallacy uh, that uh, that we lived under for a long time was that uh, this continue this can continue to go on indefinitely. We can continue uh, to uh, uh, to maintain uh, a, a uh, a terribly imbalanced trade deficit with uh, with China because uh, they 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 have to take our debt because we keep buying stuff from them and uh, they have to have us. However, China is uh, it is it is seeking out new economies uh, to work with. And uh, and it's beginning to uh, it's beginning to work out ways where it is going to be uh, it's going to be very uh, it's not going to be as hard as we think it is because we think it's going to be impossible for them the the average American does 
but they are, believe me, they're working on ways right now to uncouple from the dollar and uh, and to begin uh, pushing the the uh, yuan as the uh, the uh, international currency for trade. Uh, this is going to be very damaging for America. So uh, the what what is being referred to now as the great uncoupling, uh, where where other large nations uh, divest themselves of the dollar and work in other currencies. Uh, this is no longer uh, some kind of fictional beast. Uh, this this creature is being birthed right now. Uh, there are many other uh, there are many other nations that are working to help affect this. I believe that uh, China was working with uh, South Africa and uh, 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 and a lot of. Uh, a lot of the other currently countries in Africa, uh, we see that uh, uh, that the new union uh, may be the the old Soviet bloc, along with China and uh, uh, some of the South American nations, some of the African nations, uh, other Asian nations. And the beginning, uh, what would be considered a, a new world order for them. Now, this is uh, this particular financial war is certainly one that be won by America, not the way that we're and by the West, by all of us in the West, not the way that we are situated now. Uh, uh, there is no way that we can position ourselves uh, to win this type of financial war. So if we can't do that, uh, then what will we? What is our other option? And that is uh, an actual hot war. Uh, And we've gotten ourselves into this uh, of our own accord. Uh, we've gotten ourselves into this by by living far beyond our means, by racking up huge amounts of debt, personal debt included in this, personal debt and uh, 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 debt all across the board. Debt in our counties, in our cities, in our states, uh, national debt. Living far beyond our means and racking up debt and living on debt. Uh, we're not going to be able to continue on like this. And I believe that uh, that the United States uh, and our allies see this uh, see this problem looming and are deciding that the uh, the only way this 
uh, would be to push back with a possibility of a uh, of a real hot war. Now, this this certainly presents us with a lot of problems. Uh, the uh, the countries, the primary countries engaged in this, uh, all have nuclear capabilities, and uh, and I don't think that I don't think that they would have uh, uh, anyone. I don't think that any of the nations involved would have that many qualms about uh, about using those nuclear abilities uh, in a uh, in a tactical, if not strategic, fashion. I'll tell you this: that uh, that I had uh, I had several friends who went to China to uh, teach English. in a massive program that uh, has been underway over the last 20 years. And that's where they've been uh, importing folks with uh, just the, the barest uh, the barest uh, credentials. Uh, you don't have to have any type of uh, like teaching credentials or anything like that. You don't just need, uh, the last I saw, I think it was, uh, you didn't even need uh, a bachelor's. I think you just needed some college. And they would pay you basically uh, a, uh, you know, around a, uh, a minimum wage for America, uh, wages, to go to China and teach English to the citizens there. And they've been doing this on a, on a massive scale for quite a while. And uh, you're not teaching them uh, college uh English, you're teaching them how to talk, how to be understood, how to read, how to write. One of the things that uh, that shocked me from some of the stories that I heard from them, when this was occurred, uh, uh, when was it? It was, uh, was, I guess, about 15 or 16 years ago now. Has it been, it's been at least that long. That, uh, you remember the uh, the American uh, surveillance aircraft that was flying close to China uh, was hit by a Chinese fighter aircraft that was uh, that was following it. And of course, they spun the story to to make it sound like the Americans had been the aggressors and that they had they come over and run into one of the uh, Chinese aircraft with their surveillance craft and rammed it, stuff like that. Which is not what happened. They were uh, they were forced down, and I'm sure that it was a very calculated manner. They were forced down, and uh, and they, the Chinese actually did a great job of it by damaging the craft uh, enough so that it had to uh, that it was forced to land there in China. And yet, it was still in good enough shape that they were able to uh, grab the technology off of it, all the surveillance technology and stuff like that. Okay, regardless, the uh, this caused uh, a, a large surge in nationalism in China, which pretty much stays on a 
on a uh, pretty much a 24-7 push for nationalism. Uh, it caused a surge there. And what my friends were telling me was that, <clears throat> that everywhere that they went, uh, they were told by the by the Chinese that were protesting and, and rioting against America, that they were pushing for a good cleansing war. And I asked him, I said, well, what does that mean? He, I said, did you ask him what it meant? He goes, yeah. He said, they, they were wanting to have like a rock-solid cleansing war, actually, in, and, and this would be a war involving atomics, uh, and this is something they were hoping for. As a nation, they considered uh, the prospect of nuclear war as a uh, prospect of, of a cleansing war. Uh, they would they would cleanse uh, and and scold uh, America, while at the same time being cleansed themselves. Now, this is a that's a very uh, frightening type of thought, and uh, and I don't know what advances the Chinese have made in the uh, in the last uh, five to six uh, years uh, at at that time, and the last time I was following it, the the Chinese were only able uh, to strike along the western portion of the United States with their missiles at the time. But I'll tell you, it wouldn't take but a few uh, strikes uh, from nuclear weapons uh, across the western United States to put uh, a crimp in our nation uh, the likes of which have not been seen since the Great Depression. The Chinese have invested those millions of billions of dollars that we have paid them from Walmart <clears throat> Uh, in enhancing their military capabilities tremendously uh, over the last two decades. Uh, their Navy now uh, is one of the largest navies uh, on the planet. And certainly their abilities to, uh, to protect themselves uh, from naval ships, aircraft carriers, and stuff like that, has been one of the things that they've really been focusing on. Uh, the uh, land-to-sea, land-to-ship uh, missiles and uh, uh, the preventing us from, uh, from approaching uh, their, their country by sea, which is the only way, of course, that we can get there. And... Uh, and I think that uh, that, along with the surge in 
in their economy. And listen, one of the things that is happening in China now is is certainly the uh, the things that happens to all countries in this type of cycle. Uh, they started out 20 years ago with uh, with the with some of the cheapest labor on the planet, which made it uh, very easy for them to to manufacture the cheap goods to sell to us uh, so that they could uh, manufacture a solar-powered yard light, send it halfway around the world, and where we could buy it for 97 cents, and everybody along the way could still make a profit on it. Uh, The cycle, though, the way it runs is certainly you start out with uh, with hundreds of millions of uh, cheap laborers. But as the money begins to pour in, uh, that begins to alter the economy. And after a while, the, the folks that are working there for pennies as laborers, now they want, and, uh, and then they want dimes, and then they want quarters. And eventually, that labor... Uh, the cost of that labor is going to have to go up. The standard of living in the country is going up uh, for the Chinese and for the Russians. <clears throat> the uh, the the situation that we're facing now. And uh, uh, around the globe is a very dangerous one, and uh, and I'm not sure uh, exactly exactly what we're going to be able to do about it. Uh, I do try and stay abreast of the information that is available out there. I just Someone just sent me a, uh, a note while we were talking about the uh, Malaysian flight that was shot down over uh, Ukraine. And, of course, the United States immediately rushed out uh, uh, within hours uh, with, with uh, an unbelievable amount of information, which I don't know how they could have uh, garnered all the information that they had. Well, it turns out now that a lot of the information that that our government was feeding to us was actually false. It was manufactured. And uh, some of it was just done so sloppily. I'm sure that they have, uh, they have great uh, amount of contempt uh, for us. To, uh, they did things like not changing the uh, the coded timestamps and stuff on audio and stuff that they were trying to say was the uh, the Russian-backed rebels that uh, that were being accused of shooting down the planes. And uh, what did the what did the Russians do? Well, they gathered up all their evidence and they dumped it on the open uh, uh, on the open court and said, "Here it is. Here's what we got. Let me show you what we got. We got uh, uh, this uh, radar imagery." of uh, the Ukrainian government's 
uh, UK missile launchers. We also have uh, radar image of the Ukrainian jet fighter that is following the Malaysian aircraft. It's, uh, you know, very close in its rear. I believe it's about four kilometers or so uh, from its rear right before the aircraft disappeared. Now, uh, the uh, one of the German investigators is reporting that the cockpit of the Malaysian aircraft it was riddled with bullet holes. Now, uh, there's no way it's going to get bullet holes from the ground. They had to get it from the air. All right? You can, they said it's very clearly uh, bullet holes, and the only place that could have come from was, uh, and Russia published this, they published their radar data showing that one of the uh, Ukrainian SG-25s was uh, trailing uh, in very close uh, to the rear of uh, the Malaysian Airlines uh, Flight 17, uh, which also corresponds with what the uh, Spanish air traffic controller reported, that two Ukrainian fighter aircraft were in direct uh, contact with the the flight. So, So things are, it seems at this time, this this point in our history uh, are not exactly what they seem. Uh, I'd be very, very careful of uh, of swallowing and digesting any information from from really from any source right now until I thoroughly chewed it before swallowing. Uh, and the reason I say this is because I don't want Uh, and you don't want our nation to be jumping on some type of a big nationalist bandwagon with support for some type of uh, further engagement in war with anyone, with the Russians, with the Syrians, with anyone. It seems that we just cannot resist sticking our stirring spoon in every single pot we come across. You look at the situation in Syria now. Look at the situation with the ISIS rebels. Where did that come from? Well, now it appears that a lot of the arms and, uh, that they are equipped with, a lot of the folks leading it, uh, were now trained at the uh, at the joint CIA-Jordanian training camps because it was uh, deemed at the time that they were the uh, the least of the radical nations and they were safe to train and arm them. Uh, we were, were setting up a disaster of our own making. And whether we can apply any pressure to it uh, in order to circumvent uh, a terrible outcome is is questionable. And that doesn't mean 
that we shouldn't try, that we shouldn't try uh, making uh, making contact with our reps and telling them, look, we don't want this. We don't want we don't want this happening. We don't want you. I want you to make sure that you're doing everything within your power to keep us from getting any further involved in any type of a war with uh, with the uh, Russians in the Ukraine. You know, the whole, uh, and once again, I'm not a uh, Russian or Soviet sympathizer, but I'd like for somebody to explain to me, you know, you had uh, uh, almost uh, almost 40 years ago, you had the, the big uh, anti-Russian, Thing in Afghanistan, and I remember even thinking at the time that uh, that whenever I got through with my my regular military service, uh, that I was going to uh, that I was going to head in that direction. That I was going to either head towards uh, the Middle East or uh, uh, or maybe in the, to South Africa <clears throat> somewhere. Uh, to continue on with the the fight against communism, and uh, and here's my question: the onset of the the Russian involvement in Afghanistan. One of the things that uh, uh, precipitated it was the Afghanistan folks uh, uh, attacking and seizing. Uh, the Soviet embassy, dragging all their folks out and chopping their heads off. And the Soviets went in uh, to try and uh, quell the, the, the folks that were there running a religious-type war against the, the Russian invaders. They were working their jihad against the Russians. So what did we do? Well, we supplied the arms and ammunition and training to what would later become the Al-Qaeda uh, type organization, the, the jihadists, the Mujahideen, uh, with arms and ammunition and dollars and training. Uh, we made sure to buy the, uh, the, uh, the opium and protect their opium crops and uh, and then we supplied them with Stinger missiles so that uh, uh, one of every four of the uh, Russian helicopters could be shot down. Listen, what are we doing now? We're doing the same thing. And how would we feel if the Russians went in and said, hey, guys, uh, we're going to give you the Russian equivalent to the Stingers. We want you to start shooting down uh, one out of every four uh, American helicopters. How would we feel about that? I'm not saying that what the Russians did were, was right. But at the same time, uh, the Russians are uh, attacked by the uh, the Muslim terrorists there in Chechnya. Uh, they have their citizens bombed and killed and murdered, uh, hundreds of school children killed by, uh, by them taking over the schools. When they 
when the Russians invade Chechnya to try to put this down, uh, they're condemned by America. And yet, and, and yet, what are we doing? We do the exact same thing. We tell everybody what to do. We, uh, and then we tell everybody they better knock it off. They better knock it off, man. We're the only ones that can do that. And once again, let me make sure that you understand that I'm not... I'm not saying this as an anti-American because I'm not. I'm 100% pro-American. I'm 100% pro-government. As far as when I say government, I mean we the people of this nation being the government. What I'm saying is we're making ourselves look bad. We're making ourselves look bad. We're losing the the friends and allies that we could have when we need them in a lot of situations because of the way that we do things. We bully our way into countries. We bully our way into to smaller countries. We tell them you're going to open your your financial uh, industries up to us. You're going to buy this this debt that we have, or we're going to put a blockade on your bananas. You're not going to be able to sell us any bananas. We'll knock it down, and that's your country's main export, bananas. So what do you say as that country? You say, okay, we'll do it, and you do it, and it destroys your financial institutions. And the Indians come down out of the mountains and they burn the capital to the ground. This isn't something that happened uh, 100 years ago or 50 years ago or 20 years ago. This is what just happened. This is what we do. I love this country. I love this country and I want it to do the right things. The right things for our people. the right things for the people that we deal with. I want the people in other nations to, uh, to, to, to seek and find their dreams. But that doesn't mean that I want them to find them by fleeing their country in mass and coming to our country illegally and flooding our country with uh, with refugees and with uh, with folks that uh, that are being fed to us as lies I want these I want us to help those countries become better countries uh, within their own borders so that the people stop trying to flee the countries and coming here. Now, what does that take? I don't know. But I bet we could figure it out if we started thinking about it and started working on it. And I bet it's not just sending them uh, $500 million uh, a year 
uh, in order to keep the elites in power in their nation so that they can do the bidding uh, that we ask them to do. I bet there's other ways to go about it. I bet that there's ways to fix the the horrible uh, influx of crime that's fueled by the drug cartels. I bet there's a way to stop the ridiculous drug wars within our own, the boundaries of our own nation. I bet there's a way to keep people from being killed every single day because somebody went into their house uh, at the point of uh, guns, uh, throwing in uh, explosive devices uh, into uh, the wrong house and uh, having it blow up and shoot the people there because they may have uh, uh, a couple of uh, little plastic baggies a, uh, with, a, with a plant that grows in them. I'm not pro-drug. I'm anti-drug war. I'm anti-drug crime. We've been throwing billions of dollars at the so-called drug war. And what has, what has it done? It has done nothing. It's just made millions of people rich. I love my country. I'd like to fix the problems. But we're not going to fix them by going to war. Not with not with any of these manufactured wars. And I'm not just talking about the war with uh, Afghanistan, war with Russia. I'm talking about the war on terror, the war on drugs, the war on poverty. Uh, these are the most ridiculous, worthless programs, the most ridiculous wars that anybody could ever uh, imagine. Certainly, it sounds wonderful. Let's declare war on everything that's bad. The ETB, the war on ETB. And if you don't get behind it, well then by gosh, you're an unpatriotic citizen that wants war, that wants destruction, that wants bad things. If you don't get behind the war on EBT, that's everything bad, if you can't get behind that, you're not an American. If you're not ready to join up and give 30% of everything you make to the war on ETB, then by gosh, you're just not an American. That's how it works now. And that's how it works every single day. What? You're, what? You don't want us listening to everything you say or reading all your mail? Then you're for the terrorists. Remember what Bush said? If you're not with us, you're against us. Well, 
not with you. I'm for the nation. I'm not with you. I'm not. Uh, they try to push everything, uh, force feed everything into us with this funnel of that we're doing this to protect you. And if you're not for it, then by gosh, you're going on a list. That's right, you're going on a list. We're going to make sure you can't fly, you can't travel. And matter of fact, and, and, and right after this, we're taking you to the hospital and we're going to search your body cavities. How do you like them apples? That's the nation that we're turning into. Heck, we're not turning into it. We're, that's the nation we are now. This can't be what you want. It can't be what anybody wants. Everybody is listening uh, to the talking heads on TV. They're listening to these uh, ridiculous blanket statements from both sides. There's nobody. There is no. There is no Republican Party or Democrat Party. There is just politicians. There's very few folks left out there that are trying to serve you that are trying to do the things uh, that are right. It's just one big power grab. It's one big defense uh, of each party, one big, uh, one big game for them. It was never meant for us to... Uh, to half go and talk to our representatives on bended knee and beg a boon of them. But that's where we are now. And they're not listening. I don't have the answers. I wish I did. Uh, I wish I had more. Uh, I don't think that that we're at uh, a point in our history where everything is going down the drain. I think that we could still fix it here. But I think that uh, I think that we are very rapidly approaching the event horizon. And it's sure not going to be pretty. All right, well, I'll tell you again, you should be working on making sure that you are beginning your prep, that you are doing everything you can to take care of yourself, not because the end of the world is coming, but because there's always going to be something out there that's going to uh, that's going to challenge you. It is going to uh, perhaps be a threat to the safety of yourself and your loved ones. And you should make sure that you're working every day. Uh, You don't have to be obsessive, compulsive about it. It's better if you're not. But you should be working every day 
on trying to ensure that you've done everything you can uh, to help safe to help safeguard yourself and your loved ones so that you can you can pass through times uh, rough times of natural or man-made disasters or cessation of services events. <clears throat> One of the things that you should do here comes the big pitch is you should see about uh, about getting some training. It's great to have firearms uh, to use in defense of yourself and your loved ones, but it's even better to know how to use them competently and safely. Uh, it's, it's imperative that you do. And Battle Road USA is always willing to help you with that. Uh, we have our uh, pistol craft course coming up this weekend, Saturday, August 2nd. Uh, this is a course designed to, uh, to teach you how to use your handgun safely and competently. It's, uh, you may have a CHL, but that certainly, uh, that's certainly not the end of the road. Having the, the legal right to carry a firearm is not some type of magic talisman. It does not, in and of itself, save you. You, and, and that's the problem, I think, with a lot of folks, is they believe that because they have the firearm, nothing bad can happen because they have the firearm. Uh, that is as far as they go in a lot of the folks' minds. I've got a gun, so I'm good to go. What happens if, God forbid, sometime you're forced to use it to defend yourself or your loved ones? You better know how. We start all of our evolutions, all of our training evolutions, Withdrawing from concealed. Uh, during this course, you're going to get approximately 200 draws from concealed. You're going to learn how to, as you're drawing, to step offline from your opponent, bring your sights up onto the target, and then begin to uh, place three to four rounds per second into your target. You're going to do this over and over. You're going to learn how to uh, work through failures to feed, uh, malfunctions. You're going to learn how to check your areas uh, once in an engagement has been entered in. <clears throat> and uh, uh, this is a uh, this is an excellent course. Now, this isn't a beginner's course. You have to learn how you're gonna, you need to know how to shoot, handle, handle the firearm safely when you get here. All right, that's Saturday, August 2nd. On the 9th through the 13th, we have the five-day precision rifle course. It's going to teach you how to use your rifle, your centerfire rifle with the quality optics, uh, along with learning ballistics, learning to uh, detect and uh, determine wind in order to use that information for corrections, how to use your mill dot or minute of angle uh, scope to determine range. You're going to learn about close-in shooting, and that's the 9th through the 13th. On the 16th and 17th, we have a two-day stalking and camouflage course. This course is going to teach you how to move through and across terrain while under observation, how to move into your position and remain in that position undetected until the opportunity to make the shot manifest. <clears throat> uh, 
this will include several stocks against the instructors, and uh, you'll be stocking under observation. You'll be graded. There'll be an after-action discussion of how your stock went, how you could better work your your movements and techniques. And then, uh, as I said, you'll uh, on the second day you'll get three opportunities to make a stock into a position, and then make your shot against the instructor's position where the instructor was. He won't be sitting there anymore. You can't shoot at the instructors. Or you'll be shooting at a steel target that's representing uh, the instructor's observation post. <clears throat> All right, that's the 16th and 17th, the two-day stocking and camouflage course. On August 23rd, we'll have a one-day fighting shotgun course. Now, everybody out there that uh, has a firearm, normally they, they either have or have had or plan to get a shotgun for defense of their cells or their loved ones. This is an excellent idea. Shotgun is an absolutely fantastic uh, home defense, self-defense firearm. But do you know how to use it right? Do you know how to use it correctly? All right? Because, once again, just having a shotgun uh, next to your bed is a great thing. But it's nowhere near as good as having a shotgun that you know how to use correctly next to your bed. Uh, you, you know how to uh, fire... Uh, uh, three to four rounds uh, per second with that shotgun. Do you know how to do uh, loadout changes uh, without racking the whole thing out? Do you know how to re- retain your weapon uh, from close-in in close-in weapon retention uh, situations? If you're going through your house or walking around the house with your shotgun, which is a long gun, you're walking around the house and somebody grabs it. What are you going to do? Do you know what to do? Well, we're going to show you what to do. That's the uh, 23rd, the fighting shotgun course. The 27th and 28th, we have our first uh, meeting in our new project, the seven-month project, called the Ghost of Goliad Rifle Marksmanship Project. And this is a two-day course, uh, September 27th to 28th, which is going to teach you the fundamentals of rifle marksmanship, as well as give you an in-depth discussion on the Texas War for Independence, who the players involved were, what they did, why they did it, how the operation ran. The Texas War for Independence lasted seven months. It started on October 2nd uh, in Gonzales, and seven months later was successfully completed at the Battle of San Jacinto on April 21st, I believe, and with the surrender of San Jacinto and with the beginning of the Republic of Texas. On October 11th, and now that course is going to run every month, and if you would like for us to to bring it to you, then uh, give me a call. We'll see what we can do. We're talking about that now, about taking it, uh, to other places besides just uh, running it here at the Devillo location. <clears throat> and we would be more than happy to speak with you about that. Uh, on October 11th, we have the second running this year of the Zombie Destruction Biathlon. That's a four-and-a-half-mile looping course with eight stations for rifle and pistol, as well as obstacles in between the stations. Now, we run this twice a year. And it's turning into a really, uh, uh, a really anticipated event. The folks that have attended it 
really enjoy it. I enjoy it. I've, I've been to every one of ours, and I, I still enjoy it. Uh, it looks like we're going to have about 100, 140 runners maybe this year. And uh, and we've upped the uh, the maturity level of the event. The stages are getting a little more uh, uh, mature now. Uh, we're asking the shooters to do a little bit more than they did uh, at the very beginning when we first started this thing a couple of years ago. And we're also adding in a lot more obstacles. There will be a lot more obstacles that you'll have to navigate. Nothing that's designed to break you, okay? There's nothing that's designed to break you. It's just to make you think, make you work this out, and and make you uh, navigate an obstacle with your gear on. So you can see how your gear is affected if you climb over a, a 10-foot wall, if you crawl through some culverts, uh, if you swing on a rope. Uh, how is your gear going to, going to be affected? If you climb over a, uh, uh, one of the thousands of gates that are all across the state, how is that going to affect you? All right? There's no way you're going to find out unless you come here. There's no other place like this that's running this type of event in the nation. Okay? Uh, that's October 11th. Uh, then uh, in October uh, 25th and 26th, We'll have the Ghost of Goliath Rifle Marksmanship, the second month of it. Well, you'll hear about the events that occurred uh, during October, the battles that occurred during October, and you'll get the two days of fundamentals of rifle marksmanship. Now, this isn't a baby course, not a basics course. Now, you can come to the course without ever having uh, handled a firearm before, and we'll show you how. But it's not a baby course. It's a fundamentals that means that uh, no matter what your level of shooting, you're going to get something out of this because we're going to teach you the fundamentals of shooting. These are the things that you need no matter where your shooting path takes you, whether it takes you to plinking cans or, to, uh, or for deer hunting or to get you ready for the SWAT sniper course. Uh, this is a course that you're going to need. Then December 6th and 7th, We'll have the three percenters grid down communications and radio class taught by Sparks 31. This is another uh, great course. is probably less sexy than the shooting courses, but it's the third leg of the shoot, move, communicate stool. You've got to know how to do it. You've got to know if there's any type of... Uh, a cessation of services, natural man-made disaster that that prevents you from communicating in a normal fashion, you still must figure out a way to communicate. We're going to teach you how to do that, all right? And that will be here on uh, December 6th and 7th. Now, I'm working out uh, some courses, some upcoming courses now with uh, uh, Lone Star Medical and uh, – and we're looking at a couple of possible different uh, scenarios, one of them being a two-day uh, combat and tactical medicine course. There's going to be a course that teaches you uh, not just the medical aspect, but we want to teach you how to integrate your shooting with the idea that you may have to provide 
medical attention to yourself or to another member of your family or a loved one while still maintaining tactical security and tactical defense of yourself and your position, all right? So I'll be working out the details of that, and we'll have uh, we'll have one more course between now and 2015 with uh, John Hurth of Cure Group for combat tracking. I believe uh, I believe it'll just be a three-day course. I believe I'm not sure I can that that there's enough time for everybody to get off for a five-day course, and then we'll have a five-day course in 2015 for the combat tracking course. This will teach you how to track as, as an individual, then also as part of a group into possibly hostile situations, being able to understand the sign, how to build a profile of your core using the sign left behind in order to find, fix, and finish your quarry. Now, you don't have to think about this in just a law enforcement or military terms. This can also be very applicable for hunting. It can be applicable for uh, search and rescue, for finding out where someone went and rescuing them. If they're lost uh, somehow in the woods, uh, young people or, or old people. Also, if you're part of a uh, prepping or self-reliance group, this is an excellent course because, as I said, you don't have to think about this just in a situation where you're hot on the trail and hot pursuit of your quarry this could be a situation where you're at your position and you run across tracks that uh, are that are moving by your property, by your your position, and and if you don't know what to look for, then those things are meaningless. They're just marks in the dirt. However, if you know what to look for, possibly tell you who is coming by your property if they are just passing by or if they stopped to watch you for a while, what they were looking at, maybe what their nationality is, maybe what their religion is, maybe what they were eating, maybe if they were armed or not, which way were they going when they left, <clears throat> what were you doing the day they sat there and watched you, all right? Well, the combat tracking course is very applicable for, uh, it's a skill that I would consider a must-have skill. Now, certainly you can teach yourself this just as just the same way that you can teach yourself uh, uh, geometry and algebra, right? Uh, you can get a book and you can do it, uh, but but John Hurth and Tier Group, excellent instructors, and, uh, and I would certainly advise uh, grabbing this course as soon as we get it scheduled, okay? All right, uh, I want to thank everybody uh, for listening tonight. And uh, we're going to have uh, Sparks 31 back again, not this next week, uh, but probably the week after. And uh, uh, I'm not sure exactly what uh, there's. There are three different uh, uh, possibilities for this next week's show. Uh, but I'm... I, I don't have it nailed down yet, but uh, I will be here, and hopefully you will be too this uh, next Thursday, 7 p.m. Central. Until then, God bless and keep everyone, and uh, we'll see you uh, next Thursday, 7 p.m. Central.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.